0: Hello, and welcome to episode 22 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. My guest today is Dave Stahoviak. Dave is the host of Coaching for Leaders podcast, a top-rated careers podcast on iTunes, getting over 150,000 monthly downloads. He helps leaders benefit from great ideas, great dialogue, and great relationships. He's also been passed up for promotions, failed at launching his first business, and still fights with the occasional fear of speaking to people. Dave and I talk about the keys to successful delegation. We get into the emotional side of letting go, how to share information, and catch things before they go off track. Plus some happy surprises when delegating resulted in even better than expected work, and a whole lot more. Now here's my interview with Dave.
1: You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer stewart
0: Thank you so much for joining me today, Dave. It is a real honor to have you because, as you know, I'm a huge fan of yours and a huge fan of Coaching for Leaders podcast, and you... We're so kind to have me as a guest on your show a few months ago talking about productive meetings. And now I get to reciprocate and have you on the Modern Manager.
2: Oh, well, the feeling is mutual. I'm a fan of yours. And you've helped our audience to think about meetings so much more effectively. And, uh, and you're just a cool cat. So <laughs> it's all good. I'm, uh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for the invitation.
0: Oh, well, I don't know if I've ever been called a cool cat before, but I'll take it.
2: It's probably an old 80s or 90s term that just Proves that I'm really out of touch with reality.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, let's shift to uh, a more appropriate conversation topic, which is delegation. So, you know, in my experience, there are two kinds of delegators. There are the people who are so happy to get things off their plate and will just delegate everything. And then there are those people who feel like it is painstakingly hard to let go of anything. Does that resonate with you?
2: It resonates with me especially the second one, because I was there as a manager for the first time coming into management. And also, I see this a lot in the people that I've worked with over the years of how do I let go of some things that I did really well, often in the last position? And so the irony, perhaps, of Moving up in an organization is oftentimes the person who gets elevated into the role of manager is, for better or worse, the person who was previously doing the job as the individual contributor, the best in the team and the best in the organization. And so that person gets elevated into a role that's really different because now you're not doing the job anymore, or at least that's only a portion of your job. And you're now responsible for the people who are doing the work. And that's really. Different. And it's hard to make that transition, at least I think for most of us. it's hard to make that transition from individual contributor to now thinking about how do I think about the people versus just thinking about the work?
0: well, and it sounds like it's a bit of a mindset shift, not just a kind of practical practice shift,
2: yes, it is. And I think the person for me who articulated this the best is Simon Sinek, who was on the show a couple of years ago on on coaching for leaders. And he said, Leaders aren't responsible for the numbers. Leaders are responsible for the people responsible for the numbers. That may seem like not a big difference, but when you think about it, that distinction is actually pretty significant because no longer as a manager is it my job to be doing the work anymore. And, And I say this, and I am conscious in most organizations these days, managers are there's this term we have called working manager, where I have a whole bunch of my own responsibilities, and then I am managing a team as well. So I'm I'm conscious of that. But the part that the team is doing that's not a part of your role, it's really not your job to be doing the work. And that is a big mind shift change for most of us when we come into management. And it's, it's a challenge that some people never fully work their way out of is, is making that transition. And yet, I think it's so essential.
0: Yeah. I mean, I definitely know for myself that at first, it was a little bit hard to let go of some things, especially the things that I particularly liked doing. And once I started recognizing that it actually allowed me to do other new things that were really important, it was a little bit easier to let go. But you know, I'm generally a person who wants to do it all because I find that I, I like there's so many things I like to do. And also, you know, when you're good at something, it's hard to like hand it off to someone else and be concerned that you know if they're going to do it as well as you're going to do it.
2: Yeah. And and then there's also that other piece, too, of you and me and the kind of people who listen to the podcast that we host are the kinds of people in the world generally who are really high achieving people. They're helpful people. They want to give. They want to help out as much as possible in their organization. And so there's also the tendency for that helpfulness to end up getting in the way of helping other people to develop skill sets. So someone asks me for help with something they're struggling with, and I jump in. And instead of being, quote unquote, helpful, I actually start doing the work again. Mm. And there's a really critical distinction to make there as a manager of, I'm there to, yes, help. Yes, to coach. Yes, to provide some structure and some vision and the outcomes but I'm not actually doing the work. And I find that that's a distinction, especially for new managers that they really have a difficult time with. I know I did when I stepped into the management role for the first time.
0: Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about what that process looks like when you identify something that you want to delegate or you know you should because it's probably better suited for someone else on your team, or you need to get some things off your plate because you're just overloaded. What are the kind of processes or rules of thumbs that you go through?
2: There's a bunch of things that I go through now that I didn't before. And the first one is what not to do. The what not to do, which I think is what a lot of us do when we start this off, is, is to sit down with that person, whoever you're thinking about delegating it to, and to just start the conversation and to kind of work it through in your mind as you're talking to that person. I, I think that's a mistake. Unless you have a lot of experience doing this, which again, as a new manager, most of the time you don't, it's too hard a thing to do well. In the moment, it makes a lot of sense to do what I consider some pre-work, and in fact, some of the most important work for delegation, from the manager's point of view, happens before the conversation ever happens with the employee. So for me, that is first and foremost, getting clear on what does success look like? Because I want generally two things. when I'm thinking about delegating something to somebody. I want a great success for the organization. Most of the time, as far as the organization is concerned, it's less important who did the work. And what's important is, is the outcome good? Does it meet the time, quality, cost metrics that it needs to hit? And is the customer happy, whoever that customer is? And who ultimately did the work is probably less important than it is that those outcomes happen. So that's number one. And then secondly, I'm also thinking, well who do I need to develop? Who's the person or persons on the team that would benefit from getting better at this? Because when I'm thinking about who I'm going to delegate to, I need to think about, okay, who needs to learn this skill? Who's already gifted at it? Who has the bandwidth to be able to take this on? Because sometimes the the person I want to delegate something to is not the best choice because they already have three or four other high visibility projects, and they're not going to be successful taking on something else, or worse, I'm going to cause them to work 10, 15, 20 hours more because they're a high achieving person, and that's what they're going to do, and I'll end up burning them out. So all of those factors are things that I'm thinking about when I'm thinking about if I'm going to delegate, who I'm going to delegate to, and what am I going to say to that person. And then for me, it's really important to get clear on three things what is the time frame we're talking about? So if I'm delegating a project, or maybe a series of tasks, I need to be clear with the other person on what's the time. And I may be clear in my own mind, but if I haven't articulated to that person, they're not going to necessarily know. I also need to be very clear on whatever the quality metric is. So that's different for every industry and organization, of course. But Every organization has some sort of metric, and in most cases, a number of metrics around what does quality look like on this. And then, of course, I need to be mindful of budget and resources. And I have to communicate those three things clearly in the form of outcomes. When this task is complete, when this project is complete, here's the outcomes I expect. So, I as a manager, I need to get clear on all three of those things in my own mind and even write them down. Before I ever sit down and have a conversation with someone else, because if I'm not clear on those three things for me, there's no way I'm going to communicate any kind of clarity to anyone else.
0: I think those are, they make so much sense. And I'm thinking about an example that I have with my administrative assistant who I love and I wanted her to do a little bit of design work and I had no idea if she had any design skills and so I was like, you know what? The only way that she's going to develop these skills and that I'm going to discover if she has any capability in this area is to give her something. So I did exactly what you said. I figured out what does quality look like and I gave her an example guide of a finished product so she could see what I was talking about because it was a little bit hard to explain what quality would be. So I just was like, the best way I can explain it is to show her an example of what a, a quality finished product is. And she was fantastic. She did an amazing job. And I know I still now spend my time doing a little bit of review to make sure that I you know all the finished touches look the way that I want them to, but she took the bulk of the work off my plate, which was hugely helpful. And I I resisted that for first couple of weeks because I just I didn't know if she could. And and you're totally right on developing people and finding who can who can grow in this way and giving them the context to be able to succeed.
2: I'm so glad you mentioned that because for organizations where quality isn't defined well, and that is some organizations, or it's something that's not easily quantified, whatever it is, having an example of like, here is one example of what an end product could look like. Here's the kind of thing I'm looking for is really helpful because then you have, are having a conversation about outcome and you're getting clarity on that in your mind versus having a conversation about here's every step along the way that you need to follow in order to get to this outcome, which for most things is not generally the way to delegate. So I really try to get zeroed in on the outcome. What is the end result we're looking for? And I worry less in my mind about how does the person get there?
0: Nice. OK, so you've clarified these things in your mind. What's kind of next step?
2: So next step is, once that's clear and you have a sense of the who is the right person to delegate to, and again, that may be the best person for the work, or maybe someone you're trying to develop that skill with, ideally, anything that you aren't uniquely qualified to do as the manager in the organization, that no one else can do, everything else is potentially something you can delegate. So those are the kinds of things I'm I'm often thinking of. So then once you've got that figured out, it's on paper, it's clear in your mind, then that's where you sit down with the employee or whoever you're delegating to and walk through that. And this is hard still today for me, this is hard. (laughs) And, And I know it's hard for new managers is to frame that conversation around outcomes and not around how to do it so the outcomes are the okay here's the deadline or deadlines here is what it should look like at the end or here's the metrics here's the budget you've got available to you and then there's a conversation in most cases around and the language will be different in every organization but there's always going to be some aspect of ground rules limitations things you you know things you can do things you can't do that are going to be relevant to that particular project so if you know, for example, that the last three people all tried to go to seek help from sales to get this project done, and sales has pushed back every time, one of the things to tell the person as you're delegating is, don't go seek help from sales because, for whatever reason, this, you know, that they're not going to be a resource for you on this project. So those are things that are just helpful to know in context. And then to the extent you can, and, and I say this not to be legalistic, but to provide clarity for both parties is get it in writing not because you're going to come back as a manager or that the employee is going to come back and say say you said this 3 weeks ago in writing but but just so you get clarity on your thinking if you jot down a few things and it can be as simple as a few bullet points on an email it doesn't need to be a fancy memo but just get it down in writing so it's clear to both of you what it is that's expected and what is the outcome this is where now it takes a twist the conversation ends and you ask the employee to consider what you've presented and to come back to you with a plan and then set up a second conversation a few days later or a week later or whatever the right time frame is for them to come back to you and to tell you what they think they're going to do in order to accomplish the objectives.
0: This is interesting. I would never have thought to go that route. So
2: there's a reason for this. And the reason is, I I often use the analogy of renting a car. You've rented cars before, maybe I'm sure.
0: Yes, unfortunately. (laughs) Too many, probably.
2: Me too. So when you go to fill up the tank of gas, when you have to return it to the airport or whatever at the end of the rental, do you put in the premium gasoline or the cheap stuff?
0: The cheap stuff.
2: Don't tell that to
0: Avis.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's all right. Avis expects that, right? And the reason, of course, we all do that, or most people do, is because, yeah, I mean, we're going to take care of the car. We're going to do what we said we were going to do as far as filling up the gas tank. But we're not going to go above and beyond because it's not ours. We don't have ownership over it. We're just borrowing it. And it turns out ideas and tasks in an organization are very much the same way. If I don't have ownership over it as an employee, I'm going to do what I need to do, of course, to keep my manager happy and keep the organization happy. But I'm not likely to put in the level of ownership into it like it was mine. If the employee goes back and creates the plan to execute the thing you're delegating, and it's their plan, and it's their way of doing it, then it, they have ownership over it. And even though it may not be perfect, I want them to have ownership over it because it's theirs and they're going to put forth the premium effort into it that I would never get if I just handed it to them and said, you have to do it this way and follow these 18 steps exactly.
0: That makes so much sense. And I know that creating that sense of ownership is something that a lot of us struggle with because especially when you're delegating, the whole point is that you're putting work on other people or at least sometimes it can feel that way. And so getting them to shift from feeling like, you've handed me this thing that I now have to do for you. It's you've handed me something that I can take the lead on, that I can step up and figure out and own and do it myself.
2: Exactly. And of course, there are exceptions to this. And that's what a lot of times, people push back and say, "Well, yeah, but here would be an exception. You know, you're an engineer at an aircraft company, and you got to go through the 18 point inspection to make sure that the engine is, correct. of course, <laughs> you know, go through and follow the process. But again, that's to outcomes, right? If that's the quality metric, then you need to you need to clarify that and say, hey, you do have to follow these 18 steps exactly in order to achieve this quality metric. But in most organizations that's not the case. And in most tasks, that's not the case. There are a lot of ways that it could be accomplished. There are a lot of ways that are probably less efficient than you as a manager would do it. But I'd rather have ownership than perfection any day. I want someone to have ownership over what they're doing. I want them to make mistakes that are reasonable so they learn from them. So when they come back to me for the second conversation, what I'm listening for is, is their plan going to get to the outcomes? So I'm less concerned with what are they doing at step five, or how are they doing this particular thing that's different than the way I would do it because I failed eight times before doing it, and I figured out the perfect way to do it. I'm listening instead, and this is hard, but I'm listening for outcomes. As the plan they've articulated, is it going to get to the time, quality, and cost metrics? And if it is, great. That's a good starting point for them. And yeah, they'll make some mistakes along the way. But that's what I'm really listening for is to make sure that they're getting to where they need to go.
0: This sounds like a very thoughtful process. I'm curious if you've had experiences or if you've had clients who've had experiences where either they use this process and it didn't work or they didn't use this kind of process and it didn't work. And so there was a delegation disaster.
2: Oh, gosh. So many disasters I've heard of over the years and some I've done myself too. I think the biggest mistake I've made, and I can think back to a situation years ago where I had an employee who I was not at all clear on what the outcomes were supposed to be. And so I was delegating. I was doing a ton of work with him. It was one of those things where he'd always somehow kind of hit the minimum but he never really went beyond that. And two things that I made as mistakes. One of them was, I was never really clear on the big picture outcome stuff. And so if I had asked him, what's the outcome that I want from this, articulate me the outcome, I don't think he'd be able to come up with it. And that was my failing, not his. And then the other thing is that I was very prescriptive on how something had to be done. And in retrospect, I didn't need to be that prescriptive. And it ultimately ended up resulting in him leaving the organization because we just we just never connected in a way that we were both on the same page. And I see that as my failing. And it's one of the first questions I ask. Whenever I hear a manager I'm working with come to me and say, hey, I just delegated this thing and this, you know, my employee's been working on it for two or three weeks or months and whatever case. And I got back this result that was substandard. One of the first questions I'll often ask is if I was going to go talk to them today and ask them to articulate the outcomes, the measurable outcomes that would make this project a success, what would they say? And it seems to me, I haven't kept numbers on it, maybe, but probably half the time I ask that question, someone you know, will say, "Ah, oh, gosh, hmm, I'm realizing maybe I wasn't very clear on the outcomes. And so I think that that's a key point is making sure that those outcomes are crystal clear.
0: All right. So let's do the flip side now. Have you had an experience where you delegated something and it turned out better than you expected that just kind of you know was a really happy like wow that worked incredibly well I'm so glad I delegated that
2: Yes yes I have and in fact hosting the coaching fleeters podcast over the years has has taught me this in that I needed at some point I decided I had to hire an editor to do a better job at editing the podcast just because I didn't have enough hours in the week. And so I was thinking about it from a how-do-I-save-time perspective and not from a quality perspective. And so I was very clear on the outcomes of what does quality look like? Here's some examples of it. Here's the budget. Here's the time frame we're working in. But I left it to him to figure out how he was going to do it. And so two things happened. One is the time was saved in a big way. So I've eliminated several hours out of my week out of my schedule ever since I did that. But the real win was the quality of the show went up substantially because it turns out he's way better at it than I am. <laughs> and so the things that I didn't hear because I'm too close to it, the objective perspective where I'd be tied into something because I was like, oh, I thought that sounded good or I thought I was funny at this point. He'd be like, eh, no, <laughs> And he just dumbed it. And that was great. And that was exactly what needed to happen. And I can tie back that delegation to our audience growing because the show was a better quality experience for people to listen to. So there, I was much less specific on exactly how he should do the job than I was years ago. I focused a lot more on process and procedure. So I've learned to become much more clear on what is the overall outcome and leave the details to the person who's actually doing the work.
0: Nice. Is there anything that shouldn't be delegated? Is there there a way to kind of distinguish what things on your plate are good to pass off and what things you should hold on to?
2: For me, I think the things that can't be delegated are the things that either your position uniquely qualifies you for, or you have a very specific responsibility that isn't appropriate to hand off to someone else. So one example of this, this is not my experience, but one of the guests who's been on the show coach for leaders is a gentleman named David Marquet. He was the captain of the USS Santa Fe. And he has written a book about... He is a brilliant, brilliant leader as far as helping leaders to do what we were just talking about, which is to encourage ownership within their organization. And so he did a lot of thinking when he was a captain on how to get people ownership in the organization but he said you know as a captain of a submarine there are some things i would never delegate i never would delegate the decision to use weapons for example i would never de- there was two or three main things that he would never delegate because his position as captain that is not appropriate to delegate i think that's an example of something that you know because of your role or position but then the other thing is something you're uniquely good at that someone else in the organization either isn't going to be able to do, or it's not reasonable that they could develop the skill set in order to do that. So just an example in my own work right now is in the work I do hosting the podcast is I don't think it's appropriate for me to delegate, even though I could delegate this to someone, I don't think it's appropriate for me to delegate who comes onto the show and making decisions about curating who our audience hears from as far as experts that come on the show. That for me, while there are other people who have that skill set, that is... Really important to the voice of the show, the brand. And I think that's something that uniquely I should be doing that no one else should probably ever do. So even though I'll delegate other things as time goes on, that's probably something I'll never delegate.
0: Well, I'm glad I made the cut.
2: <laughs> indeed. <laughs>
0: indeed. Indeed. Yeah. All right. So as you know, this podcast is called The Modern Manager. So we're going to shift gears. And I would love to hear about one of the managers that you've experienced in your life and what made him or her such a great manager for you.
2: The people that I think of when I think of great managers I've had are people who first and foremost made a great human connection with me. Two of them that come up for me. One of them is a woman named Rhonda who was my supervisor when i was in college actually and she was just the kind of person that first and foremost was invested in each employee she knew our life story she knew where we wanted to go in our careers i had a really bad breakup with in a, in a personal relationship when i was in college and i remember on a sunday afternoon somehow she had found out about it and she came and had coffee with me and just listened it was one of those things that I, I think back to people who've really invested in me as an employee and then gone above and beyond. And she absolutely is is that. And then the other person that I'm thinking of was also earlier in my career. Her name's Laura. She was just really great at bringing humor into the workplace, having fun. And then she could also turn on a dime and say, you really did not do that well. <laughs> And she did so well, what Kim Scott talks about in her book, Radical Candor, which is a challenge directly and care personally. She did both of those things really, really well. And I never felt fear going into work because when I got direct feedback, I knew it was heartfelt. I knew she cared about me, I knew it was for my best interest. And there's been a lot of people that I've worked for over the years that I have felt some sense of fear of like, I don't know what this person is going to say or do, or I don't know if they're really invested in me. And I never had that feeling with those two people. I always felt that they were looking out for me. And the great thing for both them and the organization is those are the people that I worked the hardest for, because I knew how closely they were invested in me. And how much they cared and they showed it on a regular basis. And as a result, I would have done almost anything for them to help them be successful in the organization and still keep in touch with them. So it's been huge in my life.
0: Awesome. Thank you for sharing. So we are out of time. So I want to know, where can all of our listeners keep up with you?
2: Well, thanks for asking. If folks are interested in learning more, you can go over to the coachingforleaders.com website. There's lots there and a free membership. So have at it if it's valuable to you.
0: And I'm just going to plug it again because it is such a great podcast, Coaching for Leaders. And you have 300-some episodes. It's phenomenal. So if you're a binge listener like I tend to be, you will have days upon days of listening to do.
2: Well, thanks for the kind words, Mamie. I so appreciate your support of the show and sharing your wisdom with us too.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing all your wonderful content today on Delegation. I think this was a fantastic conversation. My pleasure. I just love talking with Dave because he is so knowledgeable, and he has kindly offered a bonus to all members of the Modern Manager community. It's his guide, 11 Crucial Books That Every Leader Should Know. I went through this list, and I was surprised that I'd only read four of them. So it's really a super awesome list, and I have now got a lot of reading to do. If you want access to this list, plus lots of other great content, go to patreon.com modernmanager and join for $5. That's patreon.com ncom slash manager. That link and all the other links we've mentioned in the show are in the show notes. And if you've subscribed to my newsletter, they will be in your inbox. And to get on my list, go to mamieks.com slash podcast. I promise I will not overwhelm your inbox. I just send weekly emails with the content that you want to support your journey as a rockstar manager. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and
2: move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit Meteor.com. That's M E E T E O R.com.
1: You've been listening to The Modern Manager you're already becoming a rockstar boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamiekscom slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.